Welcome back, folks, to the quarantine edition of the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Uh, you know, it's interesting that um, we're, we're Spencer Miles, the president um, of Nailed, and myself have both had interactions, formal interactions with COVID-19 in terms of our businesses. We've had to respond. And as you can see, I am quarantining myself somewhere, which is a secret. You can hear about it on the podcast. Um, but uh, before we get to that, I'd also like to tell you that there are two board positions available right now with the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors. We have a vendor position available and a member position available, Greg. That's right. And these are advisory positions using your uh, sales knowledge, skills, whatever you might have that you can bring to the table for the Lighting Association and uh, help us move it forward. Yeah. And so one of the things that we changed right away is that we switched the nail board from really a working board to more of an advisory board that oversees and gives input, but then doesn't have to do much between the calls. So it's not a huge commitment. It's just your intellect and your mind and your lighting knowledge. So go to go to nail dot or just email info at nail.org get in touch with Bree at the nailed office. And before we move any farther forward, Greg, you got to go to satco.com, baby. We do the light thing. We do the right thing. We're talking Satco here, buddy. That's right. And that's what we talk about a little in the show is doing the right thing. And you'll hear about what that means, but that's what Satco does. And that's what they always do. They're the right company to get. If you need anything in lighting, they've got everything you can imagine. Fixtures, lamps, um, lenses, you know, tubes, bulbs. What else is out there in lighting? They've got it. Satco's your, your key. Yeah. They, you know what? They're, they're a great arrow to have in your quiver. Um, if you're a lighting distributor or your electrical distributor, you sell light bulbs, I would say the, the best that if you're only going to have one vendor, it should be Satco. Go to satco.com, baby, that's satco.com. And of course, our association, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, go to naald.org. But for right now, we got the quarantine special. Yeah. Welcome to the uh, Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, Spencer Miles. Thanks for having me. Say hi to the president of Nail, Greg Eric. Oh, hi, Spencer. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so uh, I think our listeners will notice that the uh, the background is a little bit different here. Um, for the host of the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, uh, he's in his parents' basement. Um, why? How did he end up there? Well, um, Spencer, I was uh, tested positive for COVID nineteen. Wow. How you feeling? Uh, I have no symptoms. Oh, okay. You're not going to die on us? No, I'm, I'm, I'm here in my house. And the reason why I came to my parents' house is because um, the public health was giving a mixed message. One, one nurse told us that as long as I wasn't in the home, that my kids could go to uh, self-monitoring. And another public health nurse told us that um, they had to be self-isolated. So... We had a choice to make, and so we chose to, if I live with them, that I would have, they would have to self-isolate. So I decided to move into my parents, both who are in their middle 70s, who also have COVID-19. And how are they? Um, you know, they were a little bit sick. Um, my mom, I would say that they had a bad cold. The number one symptom, I would say, from, from looking at them and observing them and living with them for nine days now, is that they are really tired. I would say that that's a real symptom of it is tiredness, like a malaise. You don't want to do anything. They wanted to sleep a lot and they did and they rested. And then the cold symptoms didn't overwhelm them. They weren't coughing and choking and sneezing and stuff. You know, they had a little bit of a cold and some of the thing, but I actually think my parents have had it for the second time. now. 
So this is the second time they got COVID. And I actually thought they had it back in February, um, which where they were a lot sicker actually then. So um, in response to that, uh, we then had the commercial end of the public health go towards my business. And so we had to shut down the business for um, three days while everyone was tested and they reviewed um, our COVID-19 policies and strategy in the office. So they tested all your employees? Yes. All of my employees were tested for COVID-19. And many of the um, uh, contractors and customers that came in as well were, were contacted as well. Who had to contact them, Mike? Both. We were both responsible. Um, I was responsible to um, make sure all my employees got tested. And then I was responsible to list off anybody else that could have been potentially, um, con- uh, you know, contracted the virus. Yeah. So our, our walk-in counter has been mostly closed. We have a sign on the front that says, you know, you're not allowed to come in, but some customers come in anyway. And that's kind of how we wanted it for, for as we came out into phase three. And then from there, um, so a couple of them were contacted. Nobody tested positive. So everyone has tested negative in my office. And um, it appears the idea that an asymptomatic carrier can't shed the virus because I wasn't walking around sneezing or coughing and, and that and that, you know, people in my office, we don't really hug each other that much. You don't? <laughs> no. <laughs> you seem like the type that might. No. Um, we don't, that. you know, we... Uh, we um we gen- tend to like have uh, professional relationships with one another where post body <laughs> contact doesn't happen that much um and with the social distancing that um you know we had in place uh which we had in place before anyway in that people don't sit right next to one another in our office yeah. their desks were naturally um you know a reasonable distance apart um, which is more than the six feet or the, t- the two meters or whatever, whatever it is, um, that no one else was, um, exposed. And so that we were allowed to return to work on, um, by Wednesday or Thursday as people came in with, with, uh, some self monitoring, they call it. And how many days were you closed then? Uh, our office uh, was closed. Uh, most of the employees were gone for a week. Some kind of trickled back in as tests came in and it was brutal, man. It was crazy. It was a crazy, crazy time for us for sure. Luckily it happened at the right time of year. Like this is our slowest time of year. I don't know how you guys are, but it was, it was slow for us. So, you know, this is kind of like the slowest possible time next to the date after Christmas is the before Labor Day is really our slowest time of the year. And so it was, luckily it was the right time to happen. So and let me ask you, what do you have to do with your employees? Like, do you pay them? Do they use PTO, sick time? Um, that's a good question. I don't even know the answer to that question right now. Um, uh, I would say that I'd be happy to pay them actually. Yeah. Um, for this little blip in the uh in the road that we've had, and um, you know, it's it's not um something that's uh. You know, everybody, all the customers kind of, we didn't want to explain it to too many people. Like, the, yeah, but this, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You don't want to put that sign on the door. Yeah, but we, you know what? Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to many of the, I ended up working the order desk, taking one of the lines was forwarded to me. And 
I ended up taking a lot of the orders and reconnecting with customers. And it was actually really fun to work the order desk for, for a week and a half here on my business. And I really enjoyed it and learned a lot and had some great conversations with customers. Was, you know what? I would recommend any mailed member, if you haven't actually worked your order desk in a while, do it, man. Take a couple of days, sit down, field calls. You know, find out what your customers are saying to you and, and what they're after. It was a, I haven't done it in years. Like, when's the last time you took calls up from your lighting guy? It's been a while, for sure. I mean, I've answered every now and then when needed, but to take every call, no. I haven't done so it in a long time. Yeah, I was basically the, like one of the receptionists. Like, during because we didn't have a receptionist, right, or whatever. And, and so it was coming in and I was taking the calls and just talking to people and finding out, oh, yeah, I'm calling to pay a bill. How do you pay for that? Oh, I use my credit card. And oh, yeah, cool. All right, yeah, let me give you this person's number, call them. And then we had, um, you know, I'm looking for this light bulb. And I thought, man, this reminds me of the old days, mm. right? People calling in, looking for light bulbs. You know, El, you know what? You know what another U400 is? Yeah, I know what that is. <laughs> yeah. It was fun, nice. dude. Yeah, it was, I was writing orders like crazy. I, was, I, did I, was, that, uh, I did that last summer. We had a company event, so I was the only one. I sent everybody to the event and stayed back and ran the office for the day. It was. It's a little hectic, you know, trying to do seven people's jobs, but it was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So how about you, Spence? Anything new with you on your end? During yeah, this whole... so I mean, I, I haven't gotten COVID, but I've had, uh, I've had an employee get it. So I've got the standpoint of you know, running the business. What, what did I have to do? So that was, uh, that was insane. Little insane, but we got through it. What kind of what kind of uh, things did you go through? I know Mike kind of shared his idea. What did you have? Mm. So you, you, somebody told you the employer reported. I I tested positive. Yeah, I mean, we luckily at the time we were pretty slim on our staff, so I want to say I maybe had five people total, including myself and John in the office. So we didn't have a lot of people, but he, you know, he started getting sick, and you know, we we're also very lucky in that we have a testing facility within a mile of our office that anybody can just drive up and drive through, and in five minutes you get tested. So I'd send him, and uh, came back negative. Actually, so came back to work. He at the time I think I had him stay away for two days, so negative. Came back to work. Uh, about three days later, he you know called me on a weekend. Actually, he said, "Man, I'm having a lot of uh, weird symptoms that." Uh, you know, I can't smell things, right? So that's immediately when I went, all right, you know, you got to stay home, go get another test. This time it came back positive. Uh, so then, you know, following CDC guidelines, state of Washington guidelines, uh, I had to uh, talk to every employee that he came in contact with, which luckily, again, was only four people. And he's not in the office, you know, eight hours a day like everybody else. So I had to sit down everybody, tell them, hey, you've been in contact with somebody. Um, you know, and uh, up to you at that point if you want to go get tested. There is, you know, the facility a mile away. Um, I don't. I believe I had one person actually go. Nobody else showed symptoms. Uh, so most, and most part, everybody was like, oh, "Okay, yeah, well, I don't have symptoms. I'm good." Uh, the hard part obviously came from having an employee down, um, very vital employee actually, and having to figure out payroll. That was uh, one of the hardest parts. But luckily, in you know in the United States, I don't know about Canada, but we have uh, what was it, the Family First Response Act, whatever it is FCFRA. So he was uh, paid two weeks by the federal government, so I was able to keep him away. But as you say, with the tracers, that became the interesting part. Um, we were getting conflicting conf uh, information out of them. Um, I believe one of them said 
after three days. If you don't have a fever, you can go back to work. And I believe that was actually due to the fact that we are listed as an essential business. So if you go to the CDC's website, it'll say under essential business, they can continue to work. So obviously, I did not want that. I said, no, absolutely not. You stay away for two weeks. And within a week, you know, he, he was he was already texting me, can I come back on board? I don't have any symptoms. <laughs> but no, I said, you know, the government's paying you for two weeks. So go ahead and just sit it out. So that was... And we've had some, you know, scares. I've had an employee's uh, spouse get it. Uh, he then quarantined for two weeks. For, no, sorry. That was almost four weeks. So he got some conflicting information as well. That it was a 10-day quarantine first, then a 14-day he ended up not working for three weeks, actually. So that was that was a little crazy. Um, but he did not come down with it. He I sent him probably four or five times for a test. Poor guy. Uh, I kept telling him he needed a negative test to come back to work. So uh, it was it was a little trying times, but uh, we got through it. So you guys are both, in my opinion, doing whatever the right thing is, right? But who polices it? Who's telling you what to do? Is it all in your own discretion? And you're saying. I know you're following guidelines, but is it defined enough where it says this is these are the steps you take? This is what you do? Not for me. Absolutely not. No, it was uh, I had to go find the information myself on websites. Nobody contacted me. Uh, they obviously knew the employer of these people. They did not contact me. Um, it was more of piecing together my own information from either our state or the CDC. That was literally what we did. And then, yeah, you're right. You're doing what you think is right. Mike? So, yeah. So um, I had to speak with a public health nurse every day from the city of Toronto, one that handles commercial businesses. She called you or you had to call her as part of her oh, schedule? She called me until I answered. <laughs> okay. Okay. Like she didn't, like you, I had to speak to her every day and I had to report back. Like it was, it was, um, it was intense. Like it was, you know, um, I want to open my business. You're not allowed to open your business. Um, we're, we need to get back some negative tests from your employees first. And so while the, the protocol was tough um, from the city of Toronto, um, it was clear. Um, she was, um, you know, making sure that, you know, there's, there's two parts to this. There's, you know, what some light bulb salesman thinks of all this. And then there's the people that are in charge. Okay. Mm -hmm. And those people can cause you a lot of problems. If you, if you don't, um, like if you don't treat them with respect and, and honor the fact that they have a job to do and they don't really give a crap about your opinions about this, I'm just here to walk you through the process, son. You know, this is how it works. Um, we don't want this to transmit anymore. And we've allocated 95% of all of our resources into this. And what was interesting is the public health nurse I worked with, which was really sad. I felt like this was very sad. And, and we discussed it a little bit um, with her was that she was a prenatal nurse that worked with um, people who have children that are born with Down syndrome and stuff like that. Mm. And so she's like a specialist. And so the people that are like higher, better nurses, they get deployed to the commercial and then maybe the lower ones. I felt like the ones that were dealing with me personally and were dealing with my parents were kind of like less professional or weren't, weren't as um, high level in their knowledge. 
because it's more complicated to deal with. You could have a business that has 200, 300 people that you have to work through the problems with, right? Everyone has to get tested. Where are we at? Are we reopening the meat plant? Are we not reopening the meat plant? All my stocks going rotten. I got, you know what I'm saying? Like there can be pretty intense things going on in some businesses, right? So, um, and they can be essentially a part of the supply chain. Like that factory could deliver, you know, 40% of Ontario's milk or something like that, right? Or, um, 50% of the bacon. I mean, I don't know, right? You never know what the heck is going on with businesses out there. And so, um, she was very clear and they had a clear response. They were organized. They knew what to do. They asked a lot of questions. They, um, they made it very clear to me that I was, there was no room for, um, yeah, that 100% candor was necessary. Um, and that we were going to deal in full and frank disclosure. You know, things like that were discussed. So, uh, you know, I left the experience felt like feeling like they were, they had handled it competently. What I felt was most sad was the fact that Ontario has lost somebody. If you, you know, when people, my, my brother, um, has a Down syndrome child. Um, my nephew, my, his name's, my, he's named after me. His name's Michael Colligan, actually. And, um, they had a lot of support when he was born um, with medical staff that had a lot of training in relation to children with Down syndrome and what to do and how to help those people. And, and that service is no longer available to the people of Ontario. And to me, I, I'm not sure what's more important. You know, um, I look at it as a trade-off. Um, I see a situation where um, if you step out of myself being involved in this, I see that that service of that prenatal nurse helping those parents out with that Down syndrome child or that child that has whatever very difficult hardship from when they're born and they're trying to survive. But that person's needed there and not with me talking about how far away the desks are in my office or whether or not everyone's going to wear a mask next week or not. A bunch of healthy people, you know, that are, are not going to die if they get COVID-19. And there's actually very, very low chance of death. So I, I kind of felt like the trade-off, and I feel comfortable saying this on the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, I don't feel like the trade-off is worth it. I feel like that nurse should be back helping that those prenatal kids that are born with you know problems. So that was kind of my take from it all. They did a really good job. I felt like they were professional. They insisted on if you handled properly, and they made sure it was, and they followed through until the end. Um, until the business was allowed to reopen with, um, uh, you know, with everyone coming back with a negative test. But um, in terms of the societal trade-off, um, what do I know? I'm a light bulb guy, but I, I think it's a waste of resources, to be honest with you. Well, let me ask you, how did they know you owned a business? Like for us, like you go through a drive-through, let's say I get it. They wouldn't know I'm the owner of the business. So well, how do so- they know you work? Right. So what happens is um, when you test positive, you have to tell them where you've been, where you work and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So the, the public health nurse will collect this information. So she asked me, well, where do you work? I work at Atlas Lighting and Sales. Where is that? 3800 Victoria Park Avenue. Who's your manager? I'm the owner. Oh, you're the owner. Okay. Now you're um, in that bucket. Yeah. Right. And so, and so uh, that's how it, that's how it goes. And, and um, so the way they handled it, I felt they handled it proficiently, professionally. Um, it was thorough and they did a good job based on what their outcome they want to achieve is. Whether or not it's a good allocation of medical resources, I'll leave that to the experts. But my, guess, my gut instinct is that it's a bad allocation of resources. 
So Spencer, you you weren't really given direction. How much of your time did you spend figuring this out? <laughs> Zero direction to be exact. Yeah. Uh, a lot. I obviously, you know, running the business when it started in March and April, I attended webinars of anyone I could, read a lot about it. Um, but then when you know you're faced with the decision of what to do, every night I just was online reading, you know, anything and everything I could to figure out. And obviously you have the humanity side of it, right? I don't want every employee to get it. You know, I don't want them to take it home to their parents, right? They've, they've stoked that fear into everybody. So you've got to make the decisions, you know, for your people, for your company, but no, zero direction. It was, uh, I'm, I was actually shocked. I was expecting a phone call at some point from some official somewhere, nothing, zero. Uh, and in our state, you know, they hired, they, they'll go out in the media and tell you they hired over 2,000 contact tracers. Uh, I don't know exactly how they trained them because you've got a social distance. So I would assume that was over Zoom. And after going through it with, uh, you know, a couple of employees and friends as well, none of the information is the same. Every one of those 2,000 people is telling a different story. And you got to think that's because mm -hmm. they... They interpreted their Zoom meetings and their week, one week or two week Zoom training to be a contact tracer. They interpreted it differently, as any of our employees would, right? You know, take LS1, for instance. They probably all t interpret it differently. So it was odd that I didn't get a call. I'm glad I didn't get a call, obviously. I didn't want to have to deal with it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much on you, the manager or owner, to make your decisions. So I'm going to be straightforward here on this. I haven't spent any time really researching what to do if it happens, and luckily it hasn't happened here. I, I do have a partner that you know mm -hmm. has looked into it a little bit more, but I would have no no clue what to do. Mm -hmm. And and you know, just in talking to you guys and kind of hearing this, it almost seems like there there should be some sort of policy procedure manual put together, or I don't know what it would be for small businesses or businesses in general. Because I I think back to when before I was in lighting, I worked at a credit union. And we, we focused a lot of time every year on doing a disaster recovery plan. And it was this big, long document that if this happens, you do this. If this happens, you do this. Da -da -da, down the line. In a lighting company, I just go sell light bulbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? So what are we supposed to do as business owners? Are we supposed mm -hmm. to have a plan in place? Is there a plan that maybe you share it with us? You guys put it together. I don't know. Technically, at least by our state, yes, uh, you are supposed to have a plan. So obviously, I, I put yeah. one into place in case I did get the call. Um, I mean, we had our procedures in place prior, but mm -hmm. yeah, I quickly put one in place. Um, yeah, I mean, we have templated documents saying, you know, wear a mask and all that stuff. But yeah, like I, I'm talking like now your employee gets it or someone gets it. What do you do? And and that just seems like there's no answer. Clear I would answer. tell you, I mean, I've been a big, big proponent of telling all the employees, I don't care if it's allergies. I don't care if, if something in your body tells you you're not 100% calling, um, just stay away. And especially the smell, at least with my age group, I got a you know, pretty young crew here, all under the age of 40, except for a couple. And that seems to be with the you know ten or twelve people I know that have um, contracted it. That seems to be the number one symptom. So I've been telling everybody, I don't care if it's runny nose, calling. And that, like, I think that helped us honestly. Yeah, um, we were quick to jump and get them out of here. How's your smell, Mike? Oh, I've, I'm I'm fine. But um, I'll tell you this. So um, talking about the the different information from different health professionals. So um, 
as you know, like we all have our own community of friends and stuff like that. And I'm not going to say the person's role or anything like that to indicate who this man is. But he is very, very important in Ontario's COVID response. Okay. And, um, you know, him and I had a frank conversation about all of this and he explained the rules and, and everything else. And he told me flat out that without, uh, without a, um, without a, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this. He told me flat out that, um, all the public health departments are going to give you a different story. They're all doing their own thing. So if, you, if you're in this region or this city or whatever, they're all going to have a different story and the information is still coming out about what they should and shouldn't do. And it's changing every day. But one of the things I'll note here, so I read the Toronto bylaw about mask wearing. Okay. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to wear a mask at my business every day. Okay. Um, and so I read the bylaw and she said, yes, your employees are all required to wear masks now. And I said, well, according to the bylaw, people who do not have to wear a mask are face covering. Okay. Employees within a designated, an area designated for them and not for public access or within or behind a physical barrier. Well, that's not an issue for me, right? I can, I can create that for my employees. And so that's right in the bylaws. And so I would encourage people, a lot of these bylaws are already, that you're talking about, Greg, they're already created, but likely it's got something to do with your municipality rather than the state of Washington or the uh, a local health authority that does public health and they'll have a bylaw that you can read. It will probably be written in plain English and not legalese. And you can read that and inform yourself. And once I read that, I, you know, kind of like, okay, this makes sense to me what they're trying to achieve here and where things matter and where they don't. And so we were able to get a lot of information. Like one of the things, another thing is that the virus is not likely to transmit from in for, from between people in an office, if they're not within um, six feet of each other for more than 15 minutes. Like that was a really interesting, like how often are you sitting beside somebody less than six feet away for more than 15 minutes, Greg Eric? Never. I mean, maybe you cancel the Monday morning meetings or something that you always spread yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say a sales meeting is probably the only time. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so you just, you know, you would spread out or whatever, but like the things like that, people that are asymptomatic are not likely to be uh, transmitting the virus. These are all things that came off the, uh, you know, uh, the, the calls with the, with the public health nurse and that. And so the, uh, the pandemonium and the fear, I think we can, we can set aside for a bit. And I think um, as business owners, the best thing to do is really inform yourself on what locally is the response. Puget Sound's public health department or something will have a bylaw and what they're enforcing and what they're not. So. So, so with the experience you guys have had, have you learned anything out of this? Anything positive that's come of it? I mean, my, my positive take is it's it doesn't spread like they say, right? I mean, I've had a spouse of an employee get it. I got to assume he sleeps in the same bed as his wife. <laughs> um, he didn't get it. Uh, I have, they, I've had an employee that's been in the truck with another employee for over eight hours for two, at least two days, um, didn't spread. So I think the positive thing for me is it's not nearly as contagious as maybe they say when, you know, when you distance. Mike? Hmm. You're still going through it. 
Well, I mean, for me personally, this has actually been a, a wonderful time of rest and repose. I think. <laughs> um, you know, if I was to take two weeks off, uh, the last thing I would do would be to lock up in a house and go to bed every night at 10 o'clock and just rest and be quiet. I mean, I have four kids in my house. I have three teenagers. Um, you know, I have a, a 10 year old, a 13 year old, a 15 year old and a 17 year old. Um, I have a wife, I have kids, I got all sorts of stuff going on. So it was actually a really interesting time of reflection and pose. So that's a good thing that came of it. Um, but overall, I, I would say that, um, you know, my reflection on it, um, hmm, there's something else going on in the world right now that um my gut instinct says that that there's a like there's a lot of good people like the public health nurse was a good person you understand what i mean she was a good person i didn't like i, I she was nice in the, in the york region public health they're all good people um but there's something about this that strikes me as um they're a, a massive waste of resources and i don't know how to i can't reconcile that in my head i can't as a citizen i can't vote for this if someone said to me um we're gonna vote next time whether or not we do lockdowns or not i'm voting against this and i think liberty and freedom are things that people have always died for i think that's what we talk about on memorial day and remembrance day in these days where we remember that what we have here is so special and freedom, free speech, um, freedom of movement, freedom of association. And when those things are taken from us, it's catastrophic. And so that's my opinion. I mean, um, you know, whether or not people out there agree with me or not, it's up to them. But I think that the cost of freedom has always been human life. And I'm willing to pay that price for my country. I think, uh, you know, uh, America has had many people pay that price. And what's, what are they paying the price for? For freedom, for liberty. That's what they're fighting for. So I would say that, um, I think in New Hampshire, they say it best, man, live free or die. SATCO.com, Greggy, SATCO.com. Yeah, you guys gave your example of their motto there by doing the right thing. That's what you're doing with your business and trying to figure it out, getting through it, you know, fighting, getting after it, and Satco. That's who they are, man. They're always doing the right thing, and they have all the right product. Everything to do with lighting that you need, they've got. They've got a great new website, uh, innovative product that comes out constantly, and one of the deepest lighting lines out there, lighting manufacturers out there. They support the distributor. How do I know? Because I've been to their office and seen their warehouse and watched them pick the orders. This guy, I mean, they were picking, you know, less than case quantity and filling up orders. So all manner of little orders for distributors. It was awesome to see. And they're flying out the door. So go to SATCO.com, baby. That's SATCO.com. And, uh, you know, Greg, we got those two member and vendor positions available. Isn't that hot? Now they're coming in. Board members, we need you. If you've got some knowledge you want to share or advice, we'll take it. We're moving this association along. We need some people to come in with us. So join up. Yeah, we need your advice. It's not a working board. It's an advisory board, a true advisory board. You can ask the members that are on there now if you want. 
Um, but yeah, they, you don't have to do any work or any calls. You just have to think things through with us. So go to email Bree in the nailed office info at nailed.org. And of course, thank you to Spencer miles for the president of nailed, uh, not for long. He's going to be the, uh, he's a, he'll be the, um, immediate past president soon, but what a great job he did running nailed for the last year and a half, basically. And also, um, you know, really shepherding it through its tough times, Greg. Yeah. Spencer. Speaking of shepherds, what does that say behind you? Uh, that would say, I will both lie down in peace and sleep for you alone, or Lord, make me dwell in safety. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, I couldn't quite see it, but. Psalm 4.8. Yeah, Psalm 4.8. And so, um, yes, uh, it's a very beautiful passage from the good book. Check it out. Check out the good book whenever you have a chance. I do. Um, but for right now, the lion and the lamb, they're going to sleep together. This has been the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Thanks for listening. Written on the rectory wall, there's a sign there for all. You are lost, Lord is there to find you.